0: We meet today in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 8. In this chapter, we are talking about the program for the world in connection with Christ's coming. Back in 1 Thessalonians, beginning at verse 13 of chapter 4, we called our attention to the rapture of the church. We also spoke of the day of the Lord, the great tribulation period, and the coming of Christ in glory to this earth. In this epistle, the emphasis is going to be on the great tribulation period, but we are also going to find one of the finest passages on the rapture of the church. And actually here we have the rapture which must occur okay first. In terms of chronology, we are told that the rapture comes first, that is before the day Of the Lord the day of the Lord follows the rapture second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him we ask you you see our gathering together to him is the rapture of the church The first aspect of Christ's coming is in view in this verse. There is no judgment at this time. When he comes this time, he will gather the church to himself. The dead in Christ will be raised first, and then we who are alive will be caught up with them in the clouds. But the day of the Lord follows the rapture. Not to be soon shaken in your mind or troubled, neither by spirit or by word or by letter, as if some from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. Here the Thessalonians had been taught by someone other than Paul that the persecution that they were experiencing was a part of the great tribulation judgment and that there was no rapture for which they should hope for. In fact, they were saying that the rapture had already happened. Paul denies this. A letter to the Thessalonians from someone claiming to be Paul had been the occasion for some to decide that the day of Christ had already arrived. This would have been a denial of the prophetic outline Paul had presented in his first epistle to the church at Thessalonica. So Paul cautions that the Thessalonians are not to be troubled by this inaccurate notion. Listen to him. He says, in effect, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you to not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had already come. So there was an inaccurate notion circulating. The words had come could be rendered is present or is now present or stands near. The tense of the verb implies that the day of Christ has drawn near and now stands near as an abiding result. For this reason, some expositors suggest that this phrase supports belief in the imminent return of Christ. It's important again to know that Christ's return is imminent. Now the day of the Lord has no reference to the church after the rapture. The day of Christ or the age of grace comes to an end and the day of the Lord begins. The day of the Lord is a subject which is often mentioned in the Old Testament, whereas the rapture is not mentioned in the Old Testament. The day of the Lord begins with a night. Actually, Joel tells us it is darkness and not light. It is a time of judgment. It opens with a night just like every Hebrew day begins. The evening and the morning were the first day, according to Genesis 1 verse 5. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. You see, Paul clearly outlines the order of the events, things that must first of all happen. The must first of all be the falling away and the revelation of the man of sin. So he writes, let no one deceive you by any means. If you are not to be deceived, then listen to what Paul says, for that day will come. The day of the Lord shall not come except after the fulfilling of two conditions. The falling away comes first, and then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Both of these things must take place before the day of the Lord can begin, and neither one of them has taken place yet. Now, the phrase, the falling away, may be translated... The apostasy. This is a combination of a preposition, meaning from or away from, and the verb to stand. So the meaning here is standing away or standing from, standing away from. You see, what is talked about here, it's a falling away. Instead of the church being found standing on the truth, they will have stood away. The opposite word means literally extending away from. The implication is that before the day of the Lord, there will occur okay a marked falling away of professed believers. The use of the article also indicates that Paul has in mind a specific apostasy. It's not just a general apostasy, it's a specific one. The severe difficulties experienced by professing believers during the days of the tribulation may cause the repudiation of Christianity by those who are not true believers. Dr. Magee agrees with the interpretation of the falling away as apostasy, but he also argues that the word means more than that. The Greek root Word for apostasia actually means departure or removal from. In that understanding, Paul says that before the day of the Lord begins, they must first come a removing. Now, Dr. McGee sees two kinds of removing that are going to take place. First, the organized church will depart from faith. That is what we call apostasy. But there will be a total apostasy when the Lord comes, and that cannot take place until the church is removed. The Lord Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find faith? Luke 18 verse 8. When he says the faith, he means that the body of truth which he left here. The answer to his question is actually no, he will not find the faith. Here, when he returns, there will be a total apostasy because of two things. The organization of the church has departed from the faith that is no longer holding on to the truth. It has apostatized. And there has been another departure. The departure of the true church from the earth. The departure of the true church leads into the total apostatizing of the organized church. So, in this apostasy, you can see the departure of the organized church, but also the removal of the church through the rapture. The day of the Lord cannot begin, nor the great tribulation period, until the departure of the true church has taken place. The organized church which is left down here will totally depart from the faith we see it pictured as the great harlot in Revelation chapter 17. The Laodicean church, which is the seventh and last church described in the book of Revelation, is in a sad condition. I think that this is the period we are in right now. When the true believers are gone, it will get even worse. It will finally end in total apostasy. From the viewpoint of the earth, The remover of believers is a departure. From the viewpoint of heaven, it is a rapture, a snatching or a catching up. When the church departs, many people will be glad to see it go, you see. There will be a rejoicing, but they do not realize how hard it will be for them once the church is removed. They are going to enter into the great tribulation period. Then the phrase, the man of sin and son of perdition. This is now referring to the personification of evil and sin in one person who will resist the power and the person of Christ. He is to be identified with the first beast of Revelation 13, the little horn of Daniel 7 and Daniel 8, and the abomination of Matthew 24 verse 15. You see, Antichrist is another designation of this person according to 1st John chapter 2 verse 18. And this person is apparently a historical person who makes his debut in history at a crucial moment and is thus receives incredible power and influence from certain as well. His true character emerges At the midpoint of the great tribulation period. This is according to Daniel 9 verse 24 to 27. Ultimately he is destroyed at the return of Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 talks about that. This is when Christ will be returning to the earth. The second thing which must happen is that the man of sin is revealed, you see. The son of perdition. When he is revealed... The great tribulation period has already begun. Here he is called the man of sin. John calls him the Antichrist. John is the only one who uses that term, by the way. The Antichrist has about 30 different titles in the Bible. He is a subject of the Old Testament. He is going to be Satan's men. This is the man who will put the Roman Empire back together again and he will finally become a world dictator. He is going to deceive the world. He could be in our midst today, but he won't be able to appear in power or reveal who he is until the great tribulation period begins. Paul tells us more about this man, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4 Well, one of his claims will be that he is God. And in Revelation 13, we find that the beast out of the sea, the Antichrist, brings together Western Europe, and he will put it back together. Then, when he does this, he will show himself as God. The world will think that he is Christ. That is a big lie, and he will even sit as God in the temple in doing so will be defiling the temple. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse five Well. Paul hadn't hesitated to talk about these things, even though he had stayed in that place for less than a month, just three Sabbaths. Yet he told them these wonderful truths, deep doctrines. Some say that a preacher shouldn't dwell on these topics. Well, Paul did. Paul says, when I was with you, I told you about Christ's coming. I even told you about the Antichrist who will come. Now Paul moves on to talk of the mystery of lawless working together, which is actually restrained by the Holy Spirit. But again, he talks about these things in light of the fact that the Antichrist will appear, personified as the lawless one, the son of perdition. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. In other words here, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, is not able to be revealed today. Even if he would even put together all the kingdoms, a time must certainly come. And that time of the great tribulation can only come after the Holy Spirit has been removed. And then sin runs rampant. Then that man will be revealed But at the moment, he is restrained. He is withheld. Now, I need to ask you a question. What is it that can withhold evil in this world? Well, the one who is restraining is the reference to the Holy Spirit in his restraining ministry through the church. Governments can't restrain evil. They are not doing it anyway. The Roman Empire couldn't do it. It was even an evil force In itself and it is actually true when governments and other earthly organizations just say we are in the business of restraining evil they do not have the capacity to do it in fact when they form themselves ultimately they evolve and become evil forces evil organizations in themselves restraining here emphasizes what is presently a strong effort by the Holy Spirit to hold back the maximal exhibition of evil and the advent of the Antichrist. In the present age, the Holy Spirit is operative in restraining evil. During the tribulation, the Holy Spirit's ministry of restraining evil will be removed out of the way, probably as the result of the rapture of the church. This is not a departure of the Holy Spirit, for he is omnipresent, but rather it is a temporary cessation of one of his gracious ministries that he would have been doing on the earth for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7 well the mystery of lawlessness had begun to work already in Paul's day, and it continues to work even today. A mystery is a secret which God has revealed. One which lies beyond human knowledge can only be shown through God. And the verse here teaches us that this evil is already active, though at the present its manifestation is hidden from us. The Lord Jesus gave us a parable in Matthew 13, which reveals the condition of the world today. There are many mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, and they explain the condition of the world and of the church in the world today. The word of God is being sown out in the fields of the world, but an enemy has come in and has sown tears. The tears and the wheat are growing together. The word of God and lawlessness grow together today. The world is getting worse and in a sense the world is getting better because I think the word of God is going out more than it ever has in the history of men. The doors are open, the word is growing, the wheat is growing, but the tears are growing also. Lawlessness will continue to get worse and worse. But the Holy Spirit will not let Satan go all the way in this age. We are even seeing today even many Beginning here that some of the African countries are even consenting to the legislation of homosexual marriages. You see, evil is just going, but the Holy Spirit will not let it go all the way. When the Holy Spirit will be removed, it will be like taking off the bottle top and the liquid of lawlessness will pour out all over the world in that day. When will the Holy Spirit be taken out? Well, he will be taken out with the church. Won't the church be in the world during the Great Tribulation? Yes, wasn't he in the world before Pentecost? He surely was. He was present in the days of the Old Testament, but he was on a different mission. And he will be on a different mission after the church is removed. Now the Spirit of God is sealing us until the day of redemption and when he will present us and deliver us to the Lord Jesus. If he didn't do that, we would never make it. After he does that, I believe he will come back to the earth to resume his former mission down here on earth. But he will not hinder evil. He will actually let the devil have his day for a while. Believe me. I don't want to be on the earth when the devil has it his way. It looks very bad enough to me as it is today, so I don't want to be there when it is turned over to him. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 8 Well, Paul uses three words in this epistle to designate the return of Christ. The word revelation, which is apocalypse, is used. Appearance, which is epiphania, is used. And then the coming, which is what we have referred to as the rapture. You see, revelation connotes an unveiling. Appearance conveys the idea of manifestation. And the coming constitutes an affirmation that Jesus Christ will be alongside his people. What a comfort. All these three words are used of Jesus' powerful coming to deal with evil at the close of the tribulation. The Lord reveals the evil world dictator for what he really is. His destruction is accompanied by the display of the Lord's glory as a result of his personal presence. The result of this great display of divine prerogatives is the destruction of the kingdom of Satan through the battle of Armageddon and through the institution of the millennium. The millennium will be God's earthly kingdom during the last thousand years of the present heavens and earth. This is according to Revelations 20 verse 1 to verse 6. The lawless one, the Antichrist, the man of sin, will be a world dictator. Nobody can stop him. No power on earth. Only the coming of Christ will stop him. As God's people in Egypt were helpless and hopeless until God delivered them, so the believers during the tribulation will be helpless under the power of the Antichrist until the Lord Jesus comes to the earth to establish his kingdom. So we are told, the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. That is the word of God, which is the two-edged sword that proceeds from his mouth shall consume the Antichrist. Isn't this powerful? It was the word of God that created this universe. All God had to do was to speak. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1 verse 3. The Lord Jesus Christ is the living word of God. Today, we have the Bible which is the written word of God. The written word is about the living word, and it is alive and potent. When the Lord returns, he comes as the living word of God. This is why I enjoy talking to you today on this program, The Living Word For Africa, when God's word is spoken into our lives, we become alive. Evil is consumed and righteousness released. What will he do? And destroy the lawless one with the brightness of his coming. Now, the brightness here is an interesting word. When the Lord Jesus came to Bethlehem, it was his first epiphany. It was his first outshining effulgency. Titus 2 verse 11 uses the word Epiphania when it says, For the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared to all men. That was the gracious appearing of his coming. When he comes again, it will be another epiphany. He will take his church out of the world, and then he is coming to the earth to establish his kingdom. His first coming had two episodes of his coming. If you want to look at it that way, he came to Bethlehem as a little baby. And then later he began his ministry at the age of 30 when he walked into the temple and cleansed it. His second coming also has two phases. When he comes, there are two phases there. He calls for his church to meet him in the air. And then he comes down to the earth to establish his kingdom. At that time, the Antichrist shall be consumed and destroyed with the brightness of his coming. But he can still come into individual lives. And as he comes, the brightness of his glory, the brightness of his presence also cleanses our hearts. That is why it is important to ask Jesus to just flood your heart with his presence. And all evil is taken away and by the way he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins for the bible says when we make this confession the blood of his son jesus christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness you can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these living word for africa programs so you can follow them as you listen for your copies please write to the living word for africa p.o box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.